today on the KT Literary Podcast, we have something slightly different for you to celebrate the fact that it is the middle of November and many, many, many of you are in the throes of NaNoWriMo hell. (laughs) That's not fair to call it that, but it can feel that way if you're in the middle of NaNoWriMo and you're stuck and you're out of coffee. It can feel that way. So, so many of you are in the middle of NaNoWriMo right now, and Hannah and I just wanted to get together and talk about NaNoWriMo and give you guys some hope and some perspective and an an agenting perspective on it. Welcome, Hannah Ferguson. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. Absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah. So have you ever done NaNoWriMo? I have. I've, I've... Um, quote one NaNoWriMo twice. Can we put a can we put a pin in that? <laughs> so you've won NaNoWriMo twice. <laughs> I have. I mean, yeah, if you I think I mean, I think it's a worthwhile conversation to talk about the the winning of NaNoWriMo versus the completion yeah. of NaNoWriMo. But um <laughs> but I think regardless of your perspective, it's it's something I have finished twice. Wow. Um I, you know, with the bare minimum, the the 50,000 words, I think a lot of people manage to get way more than that. And I do not understand wow. how, but they do. They must be magical unicorns. <laughs> I, wow. I think so. Or they just, their process is different, you know? Um, and that's okay. Or logic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Stephen King, for example, <laughs> is somebody who can sit down without an outline at all and just write a thousand word novel like he can do or a thousand page novel he can do that so you know some people have that ability I am not one of them but I got to the I got to the 50,000 word mark and for that um I am I am proud (laughs) of those two those two sessions nice I think I petered out I did it the year before I got pregnant with my daughter Mm mm-hmm so I got about 20,000 words in. That's great. And then I I was like, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It so really I is. did not I am a NaNoWriMo loser <laughs> if that is the terminology. <laughs> well, we'll go with it, but that makes me sad <laughs> that terminology because I think 20,000 words is nothing to sneeze at no matter what. Sure. That's huge. It's a huge yeah. chunk. It is. I'm and trying to remember how many pages that is. 20,000 words. I think it's something like 80 pages. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So that's huge. Also, let me know if you can hear my cat meowing in the other room. He has been banished so that he doesn't um, trip on my <laughs> mic cord, but now he's crying. So I don't know what Aww. to do about him. Well, let me know if you hear my preschooler meowing in the other room, because then we have a problem. (laughs) A real problem. A serious problem. Uh, All right. Deal. So, okay, here's my thing. And this is not a place where I am going to air my grievances, because I believe in and support NaNoWriMo. Mm -hmm. I think it is an incredibly valuable exercise. And I don't know if it's because I grew up playing too many childhood sports and I'm just a genuinely competitive person. But can you win something where there is no competition? Like, really? It is, yeah. it, I, I, I won, 
I put 50,000. No, you completed it. You, mm-hmm. you made it to the end of your journey. You completed it. It is not called winning. I don't know. Maybe I have, maybe like everybody has just rage ripped their earbuds out of their ears and no <laughs> one is going to finish listening to this episode. I believe in NaNoWriMo. It's so funny. It's just the the name of it that I have a problem, the name of like calling it winning that I have a problem with. I think that's valid, especially because if you don't quote win, then like you said, you're a loser. And that makes that feels invalidating to the work that you did do, which for you in your case was 20,000 words. That is almost halfway. That's a large chunk of writing. Um, Sorry, my cat's distracting me again. (laughs) Oh, gosh, he's so loud. Um, So it's so it's incredibly valid any work that you manage to complete through NaNoWriMo. You know, I think the point of it initially and maybe still is, hopefully for most people, was to just get people to write, just like get us out of our funk of writer's block and feeling like we had to be perfect and feeling like we had to go back to pages that we'd already written and and edit them mm-hmm. over and over again. It was mostly just to get us out of that that habit, those habits. And so um, that to me is the value of NaNoWriMo versus winning it and, and losing it. <laughs> well, and it also, it gets you out of some bad habits and it also builds incredibly valuable habits of like no this is the word count that I have aimed for for today I know I'm capable it may not be the best but it gets you comfortable putting words on paper and that's what's important I mean that's what writing is and I think any writer would tell you that's one of the hardest things is getting it actually getting it out is yes. so difficult. Yes. Can be so difficult. I would agree with that. And I think one of the things that doing NaNoWriMo, like finishing NaNoWriMo, back when I really first started writing more seriously, um, what it did for me was get me out of this habit I had of writing a, a few pages and going back and editing them until they I felt they were perfect and then being incapable of moving forward because nothing I wrote from that point on was as nice as what I had <laughs> what I was leaving you know yes and so you get paralyzed in a way just by by your own bad habits and so NaNoWriMo forced me to just forget all of that and write something even if I didn't think it was perfect mm-hmm. and that was that was a hard habit for me to break but I do credit NaNoWriMo with breaking that habit for me hmm. and even though I don't necessarily write 1600 words every day you know all day all all year long I do set a word count for myself generally or at the very least I'm now in the habit of sitting down and writing every day so that's and that's so valuable. Yeah, that's a thing I, I think NaNoWriMo gave me. So, you know, I, the value is there and, and the point, I think it, it, it made its point for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think the danger with the winning and the losing rhetoric is, is like losing sight of that and losing sight of, of the other valuable things that NaNoWriMo can give you which is just good habits and the ability to write consistently, even if 
ultimately you're not writing every day because that might not be your process. It's okay. But, you know, that consistency thing and that that not needing to be perfect thing is really valuable. And for a lot of people that I know, the very first draft that they ever completed was an NaNoWriMo draft. You know, there's also something about joining in with the collective writers online, wherever you live online, and, and encouraging each other and feeling accountable to... what they're doing and in being in conversation about it and sharing you know things about your work in progress or whatever I I think there's as like an entity I think that's also another thing that NaNoWriMo really gives to writers in such a positive way agreed so yeah I think that's really true that community thing Some people don't need that, but a lot of people find that really useful and that accountability, or I guess, what's the word? Accountability. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, that, that. Is that really a thing? That's really a thing in writing anyway. You, you've got your accountability buddies and they keep you sort of on track and you can talk to them about, well, I've only got X amount of words today, but, uh, you know, maybe you can help pep me up for the rest. There we go. You know? And so that is something NaNoWriMo also gives people that's really, really valuable. Yeah. So I think that kind of covers the first half of my next question being, like, what are some of the pros and cons? And and I would say those are definitely the really wonderful things about NaNoWriMo. And the reason why I celebrate and encourage people to participate in it, writers who, you know, aren't on deadlines or, you know, people who are just trying to get to the next level of their craft. Um, I think it's a really super valuable thing. But what are some of the cons that you've seen? Yeah, I think, uh, and maybe this is something that comes with learning about your own writing process more, but I, I don't actually love the really, really fast fast draft because I think that at least for me personally it's so much harder to go back and edit I Mm. think that you without being able to take your time or at least for me without being able to take my time I find that I miss structural beats I get lost in the weeds I end up with this like 50 plus thousand word draft that I need to basically rewrite entirely because I've missed this and I've missed that and this character is unnecessary or in my first NaNoWriMo novel I wrote I had one character that disappeared halfway through the book (laughs) and never showed up again When I reread it later, I was like, what? who is this guy? But he was in the whole, he was in like 25,000 words of this book and then just disappeared. Excellent. So pursued by bear. <laughs> exactly. So I do think that that can be um, complicated, the, the editing process after the mm-hmm. fact, because you do have to, you have to do a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people feel like, okay, I finished NaNoWriMo. I have this full book. That means I'm good. Like, that is the work. 
And so that's not true. <laughs> and very untrue. It's very untrue. And sometimes I think NaNoWriMo novels take more work to get into shape than a novel where maybe you did an outline and you gave yourself two months or three months, you know, or more, however long you need. Um, that can be a that can be a con, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for people who need more of an outline, NaNoWriMo can be really stressful. <laughs> couldn't <laughs> you, theoretically, couldn't you just outline before NaNoWriMo? A lot yeah. of people do. A lot of people yeah. do. And for people who can stick to outlines, that's great. I I personally, <laughs> I, I consider myself um, a plotzer. Okay. Or a plantzer, I suppose. I've heard both. And no, I prefer... I definitely prefer you calling yourself a plotzer. Okay. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. Something about plants. Plantzer seems odd. Um, no, plotzer just, it sounds like you're plotzing. It's funny. I just did like. Oh, gosh. Yeah, fingers. you did the, yeah. <laughs> We're just running around plotzing. Um, that's, I mean, that's exactly what I do. I sort of outline, get, I like, I do a rudimentary outline, and then I outline each chapter a little bit more in depth as I go, but I find that that gives me the ability to take cues from what my characters are doing or what my what I'm writing without realizing I'm giving mm-hmm. myself things things I I'm planting without realizing it. Um, and so sticking too closely to an outline makes it really hard for me to notice those things that I'm that I'm unconsciously putting in my draft. Um, so that can be hard to to do in NaNoWriMo because mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a few days to find those threads and figure out where your outline isn't working. Um, yeah. and so- or to really work your way around like a big plot snarl. Sometimes you just have to sleep on it for mm-hmm. a few nights and that's the best way. And you don't have time for that in NaNoWriMo. Right. Right. You just have to plow through and yeah. and hope that whatever you are writing from then on will sort itself out or make mm-hmm. sense to you. Or you put it in the back of your head to go back and rewrite that whole section. And, right. you know, it's just, again, that goes back to that editorial process after the fact, that revision right. that you have to do. Um, so, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think for, for certain types of writing processes and and certain people there are some big cons to to that yeah I have this concept of writing a book as like building a house really and your outline is kind of like your blueprints Mm -hmm. and so your your NaNoWriMo book basically just means you've gotten your foundation laid and your studs up and that's pretty much it yeah and so there's I think there tends to be in in some some people mm-hmm. not you dear gentle <laughs> wonderful listener who we love so much <laughs> but sometimes it there really is this idea of like hey I have a book I'm mm-hmm. gonna put it on create space I'm gonna put it on Wattpad I'm gonna put it wherever I'm gonna have query Hannah Ferguson. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and 
that really does happen. I would, you know, we we get NaNoWriMo books at the end of the year and and usually you can tell, mm-hmm. you know, if it's and and I have never signed a NaNoWriMo rough draft. <laughs> and I'm right. confident to say that no one from KT Literary ever has. And I think you know. that that's best for the writer, you know. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. You would be doing them a disservice if you signed them based on a on a really, really rough book like that, which I know that's hard yeah. to hear um, sometimes, especially when you have this novel that you feel is really good and and – Maybe you did just finish it for NaNoWriMo and you think you feel like it's really ready to query and it sucks to be told that that we're doing you a favor by not necessarily taking your book on. But it is true because publishing is a is a difficult business that requires a lot of editorial work. And you have to be willing to put in the hours to revise with your agent, to revise with your editor. And if you aren't willing to put in those hours with yourself and your own work by your, uh, you know, on your own time, then that shows in the drafts that you query. And that tells us what we need to know about that ethic. So, you know, I think that is something to to consider for sure. Yeah. The So... That kind of moves me to the next thing is like after NaNoWriMo, congratulations, you won NaNoWriMo or whatever terminology we've decided to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's the official terminology. I just, for whatever reason, I have an axe to grind with it. I get it. Um, I do Probably get it. because I've never won, right? That's a loser talking. <laughs> that's a very good reason, though, because you're not a loser. You're not a loser. Um, what happens after NaNoWriMo is you edit. You revise, you revise, you revise, you revise, you revise until you are so sick of the book that you want to throw it up against a wall and then you give it to your critique partner Mm -hmm. and then you integrate their revisions and then you give it to your whole critique group and then you integrate, you know, what works for you of their suggestions and their feedback and then you go at it again. I mean, really, the... That is that is what makes the difference between a draft and a book mm-hmm. is how many times you have been back through it. Right. I would say. Yeah. And that actually, I think what's interesting about that is you can also start to realize in that process that it might not be a book at all. You know what I mean? Like it might mm-hmm. not be a book that you want to query. It might not be a book that has a solid enough arc that it is really all that viable like it might actually be a short story that that you've managed to you know write 50,000 words of for this experiment but now that you know you can go back and pair all that stuff out so mm-hmm. you know sometimes the the work that you complete during NaNoWriMo isn't even a work that you will ultimately take to an agent or a small press or yeah. anything else at all and that's a valuable like you only really start to figure that out in in revision mm-hmm. so yeah and that's what happens after NaNoWriMo you look at it again and you <laughs> you revise and you figure out is this a book yeah you know and it takes a lot of hard introspection you know because I I don't know any author 
for whom edits are like a cakewalk, you know. Right. There's, there's not usually someone who's like, just bring on the pain. <laughs> and, and if they are, like, that's amazing and more power to them. I know. It's true. So I think that the next logical question here, because we are a literary agency and we are talking about a writing competition, I guess, um, or exercise, is to to ask how NaNoWriMo relates to publishing or how it relates to um, agents and editors. And uh, I think that there, there is a misconception, especially about the various pitch contests that have come up in, the, in recent years and things like NaNoWriMo, that there is a direct correlation between what you produce in these spaces um, and, and getting published. And I think it's worth talking about the real um, point of these contests and, and competitions, and that is to improve your craft. You know, mm-hmm. it's not to get published. It's not to um, produce something miraculously in a month that is viable for the bookshelves. You know, it, it's, that's never really been what it's about. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's worth kind of investigating that and and how how these things orbit publishing, but don't necessarily you know directly correlate to getting published. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I think as, specifically for like some of the the querying competitions or the pitching competitions. I feel like those are generally a fantastic curation of stuff that's pretty much there already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hmm. there's, I mean, I guess that's really it, is I feel yeah. like so many of those writers would have gotten the attention of an agent or an agency anyways most likely um now i feel like the it's heightened probably from being involved in some of these competitions um the amount of people who are looking at it at an exact moment in time is a much higher percentage than if you just blasted out a whole bunch of queries but the truth is i think most of those writers would be taken seriously in anybody's inbox anyways. So I really appreciate that curation factor Mm -hmm. um, to that. And I think it's valuable. But the the honest truth is, you know, and and Sarah Megabo always says this, querying works. And that's why it's something that agents still participate in and still ask people to do. Querying works. And so I guess I'm I'm speaking to specifically the, the people who may not have been involved in some of these more communal writing things. There is still a place for you in publishing. You don't have to be involved in that in order to see your book on the shelf one day. Right. Yes. And, and I think it's important to note that these spaces – these contests and competitions don't make a space for you in publishing. 
Yeah, you, you know make your I mean? own space. Exactly. Yeah. You find you find an agent and that agent helps you make that space for you in publishing. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um and so, you know, specifically to go back to NaNoWriMo, I think I think NaNoWriMo is such a valuable tool. And I th- I think it is absolutely a writer's tool. I don't think it is a publishing tool. Um, and it's it's what you said earlier. It is to help you hone your craft. It is to help you, you know, it's kind of like doing leg day at the gym. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like, it. You're, you're just flexing different muscles and you're working different muscles than you might any regular time that you're writing. And that's great. And that's yeah. encouraged. Yeah, I love that. Just don't send me your leg day draft. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh my God, that's so perfect. It's so perfect. Don't send me your leg day draft. <laughs> Man, taken out of context, that could be super interesting. Fun. <laughs> well, no one's going to send you one, so I think it's okay. There we go. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think NaNoWriMo is great. Um, but finishing doesn't make you any more likely to get published or get an agent or anything like that. The only thing yeah. that's going to be more likely to, to make that happen for you is honing your craft, doing the work, and making sure that you are a master of revision. Mm-hmm. And that's that. And that you have some kick-ass critique partners. That's right. Oh, yes. Nothing beats that. Good no. beta. Good beta readers. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I thought it might be fun as we are nearing the end um, to talk about some famous books that actually began <laughs> as NaNoWriMo books because oh. you can get there. You can get there. It just, you won't be there on December 1st. Period. <laughs> right. It's probably worth mentioning that these books went through a lot of editorial before they actually were published. Yeah. But they started as a NaNoWriMo experiment. Exactly. All right. So Very cool. Cinder by Marissa Meyer. Really? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't started know that. Started as a NaNoWriMo book. Very cool. Uh, Forest of Hands and Teeth by Carrie Ryan. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Um, this one's fun. I just threw it in there because it's an adult book, but you know, <laughs> Water for Elephants by oh, Sarah Gruen. I did know that. I yeah. don't know why I knew that, but I knew that. And that one's, that one was like an international bestseller for exactly. many years. That yeah. movie starred Robert Pattinson. How <laughs> much more amazing can it be? Oh, I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> Okay, let let me let me reverse that and try again. Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure that movie starred Reese Witherspoon, didn't it? How much yes. more amazing could it be? None. <laughs> None more amazing. <laughs> um and then two of my personal favorites like of all time, Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Really? Yep. Oh, and man. The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Yes. So there we go, wow. guys. You can get there. Just not on December 1st, please. Just not on December 1st, <laughs> please. But, you know, use it to to investigate all of your weird, cool ideas that, you know, 
you don't yep. know what to do with. So put your pen to paper and just try it out. Just go for it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Since Boundless Optimism is a cornerstone of the KT Literary Agency, Hannah, what is making you happy this week? Can it be um, a non-KT thing? Yes. Necessarily? Okay, so here's the honest truth. I don't know that I've ever been able to participate in this, and mine is always going to be like books or media or TV shows that I'm consuming. So. Oh, yeah, TV. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Well, yeah, I was going to say my clients, but I said that last time, so you I – I can't I don't I don't feel like I can do that again but they should know that I feel that way about them um but you asked me last time I was on the podcast what I do in my spare time yeah we talked a little bit about how uh my husband and I do short films um every now and then and so we actually have one coming up next weekend that we're going to be shooting and amazing I'm very excited for that I just think it's going to be a lot of fun we have like a very scrappy crew I have an airplane going overhead so I apologize for that but um yeah I think it should be a lot of fun that is so exciting so tell me more about it because I'm really fascinated by this did you write it I did I did all of it all of it but it's funny because it is it's book related um because it's based on it's a contemporary adaptation of Carmilla which is this short, um, it's a novella basically, but it was written mm-hmm. 20 years before Dracula. Mm-hmm. And it is about a lesbian vampire. So mm-hmm. it's like the real deal. It's really cool. Um, the original was a little bit more, um, it, it had some messaging about uh, homosexuality that we don't love today. Um, mainly just as, you know, homosexuality is uh, is a sinful thing. That kind of and messaging. A, and akin to drinking blood straight from the vein. Right. Like it's a little <laughs> monstrous, I think, is the message. Yeah. Um, and so we are we are trying to stay away from that and <laughs> make the, the vampire like and the person good. she falls in love with um, more of a, a hero than a villain. So Oh, good. Yeah. So it's a short that- thing. It's 15 pages and... It'll be over in a couple of days, but it's a, it's really exciting. That is so exciting. How can people support it or watch for it? We've got, so we didn't make any like social media accounts or anything for this because it really is, a, you know, a pretty small um, scrappy project, but we do, we have an Indiegogo going It'll be over by the time this is um, released. However, oh, it'll t- no, it's okay. We can we can still link to it because at least it tells you about the project. You know, we have a little video that that talks about what we're doing and and how we're doing it and um, that all of that kind of thing. So um, that's worth looking at, no matter what. That's so cool! I cannot wait to see it. That's awesome. Thank you. So yeah, that's me. You optimistic about anything? Well, I am significantly less um, <laughs> creative than you. Oh, please. In the, in the moment. In the okay, moment. Okay, okay. I've just, with kids and work and stuff, I've got a lot going on. So the thing that is making me optimistic this week and that is very exciting to me is Watchmen on HBO. Yeah. Produced by my guy, Damon Lindelof, who 
is I loved Lost from the pilot episode and I am just a Lindelof stan. I can't help it. I, well, I love everything really good. he does. He's really good. You know the story yeah. about Lost? How they they were basically given the green light to do one season and one season only. Mm-hmm. And people were so in love with this show that they were forced to do more seasons. And the Lost guys did not have a plan for that because they were only given the green light for one season. But that's how good it was. Like people were so obsessed that the network yeah. had to give them more. So I'm not surprised that Watchmen is A+. The thing that I find so interesting about specifically Damon Lindelof as a creator is I think that he's he's not interested in telling small stories but he wants to tell massive themes like he wants to explore massive themes in very small character moments and I think that's why it's so everything he does is so compelling to me because it's massive and existential and huge but really when it comes down to it he's always going to put a compelling person in front of you so I am, I actually have never read the original Watchmen comics. And I went back because he speaks so highly of the source material and he has so much respect for it. And you can just tell in the way that the show is made. Um, so I have actually, I, I bought all 12 or 13 issues or whatever it is. Oh, wow. And I'm reading it as we're watching the show. And it is. Ooh. Just it, this fascinating creative experience for me, you know, and, and I, all I'm doing is just consuming other people's stuff. <laughs> but it makes me feel creative and smart and I love it. Yeah. Well, we're in a golden age of television, so you should absolutely oh God, be partaking. Yeah. So thank you for joining me today, Hannah, and for letting me air my um, NaNoWriMo loser grieving grievances. You're welcome. And I'm here for, for talking you. with me about publishing. I really appreciate it. Heck yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs>